UpToDate wants to know what you're talking about with family and friends. You can text UTD to 816-601-4777 to tell us. Again, 816-601-4777. This is Up to Date on KCUR 89.3. I'm Steve Kraske. Judge Phil Journey of Sedgwick County sees domestic violence cases every day. He decided to propose a package of bills with reform measures for police and sentencing to reduce domestic violence and help victims. Judge Journey is a former state senator and municipal court judge. He joins us today to discuss what the individual bills are that he's proposing and how they'll ultimately help Sedgwick County, which is seen as ground zero in Kansas's domestic violence caseload. Judge, good to have you on the show again. Welcome back. Steve, it's great to be back, too. Thank you so much for the invitation. Well, why did you introduce these bills, Judge, and what are you, why are you making this push? Well, okay, I'm a district court judge, so right. right now I'm doing family law. So, you know, I've got like the divorces for about 100,000 people, paternity cases, child support enforcement, domestic violence, restraining orders. Um, the three bills that are in that are filed now are Senate bills 265, 66, and 67. Mm -hmm. uh, one has a hearing set for Monday at 1030 in Senate Judiciary. Um, the reason is that basically in, in Sedgwick County, we've had uh, higher awareness, I think, and higher enforcement rates, particularly through Wichita Municipal Court. Uh, they've had a zero tolerance policy. Uh, mm -hmm. These bills are intended to help victims and um, to help law enforcement in sorting the wheat from the chaff when they show up at the scene and also to enhance punishment for violation of restraining orders. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm wondering how prevalent, Judge, domestic violence is in Sedgwick County. In introducing this segment, I described the county as ground zero in Kansas's domestic violence caseload. Why is that? Well, I think part of the reason is, one, we're socially and economically quite different than the rest of the state. We're the manufacturing center for the state. We're agricultural center production of okay. equipment, et cetera. Uh, and so you have a different economic strata. Uh, also, I think that we have higher enforcement rates because of zero tolerance policies that if there's a call, there's action taken. Hmm. Where you see across the state, only about half the reported incidents are actually uh, resulting in an arrest. And then so Sedgwick County has more arrests than the next three counties combined. But hmm. that's not necessarily because we have higher rates of violence. It's, I think it's that we, one, we have uh, higher, better enforcement. Huh. How about Kansas as a whole, Judge? Is it higher than surrounding states? Do you have any feel for that? Uh, the, 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 the numbers and the KBI, you can just look up KBI, Domestic Violence 2021. That's the most recent report issued a few weeks, months ago. Uh, it, it's pretty much remained constant. Uh, it fluctuates. 2017, 2018 was a peak. Uh, the number of homicides that are domestic violence related are hovering just about below 20 percent. So uh, it is a significant problem. And the violence imparted upon uh, domestic partners is significant. And the, the fallout is really where the biggest problems come, because it's what it does to the children mm -hmm. when they see it, sure. when the parents react to it. Uh, they end up having the fight or flight hormone, you know. Right. And, uh, and then it changes their mental development for the rest of their lives. So, Judge, you have these three bills, uh, Senate Bills 265, 66, and 67. Walk me through what they would do. 
Okay, Senate Bill 265 significantly enhances the penalties for repeated violations of a domestic violence restraining order, Mm. such as the protection from abuse or protection from stalking. Which is a huge Uh, issue, right? uh, uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, even in Wyandotte County, in Johnson County, uh, homicide in 2018, the woman was killed with the restraining order in her pocket after he had been released for violating that same order. Mm Mm-hmm. From the Johnson County Jail, and he murdered her with it in her pocket. Uh, we've had similar incidents here in Sedgwick County too. Uh, there's one uh, from Jackson County mm-hmm. that's quite similar too, and then St. Louis. And the reality is that these are not the man bite dogs cases that make the news. These are the cases that just kind of flow through with the rest of our lives, and the numbers are staggering. Huh. That's 265. What's 266 do? 266 is what's called a lethality assessment, and what it does is at the scene of the incident, the officer is required to ask 10 questions. It's a yes or no. It takes about 30 seconds. And then that lethality assessment is a reasonable predictor. These are all things, all bills have been already adopted in other states and working successfully. A reasonable predictor of what, Phil? Just whether violence will continue? Of of continued violence, yes. Mm -hmm. And then it also requires law enforcement to provide information to the uh, victim so that they know like where to go get help, where to, how to do a PFA, where to go find a shelter. You know, in Johnson County or Wyandotte, it might be pretty easy to find. But if you're out there in Dodge City, right. you don't know it's in Garden City. And so that is really important information because the victims need to know they have options besides going back home. How about and Senate then, Bill 267, <laughs> Phil? 267 is a primary aggressor language. And what it basically does is what we see now in law enforcement is that, you know, law enforcement shows up at the scene. Everybody's got injuries. One may have defensive injuries. The other one may have aggressive injuries. Okay. Mm -hmm. You know, like scratches and things like that as a defensive injury. Then, uh, but basically, you know, the police just arrest them both for for domestic violence, disorderly conduct, fighting, because they don't know who's acting in self-defense. They figure the court will sort it out. And then the victim learns that they're victimized every time they call law enforcement. And so they don't call. Ah. Because they go to jail with the victim. And so what this does is it helps law enforcement. It statutorily gives them access to prior information so they can look back in their histories and see who's been the aggressor over time. They can look at the disposition of cases and and hopefully they will be able to sort it out and the victim won't be victimized again. We'll be back in just a minute. I'm visiting with Judge Phil Journey of Sedgwick County about a package of domestic violence bills that he's proposed to the Kansas legislature. So as you work these cases every day, Judge, what are the main problems with how the state currently deals with domestic violence as you see it from the vantage point of your courtroom there down in in Wichita? I think one of the big things we can do with this legislation is close the information loop to provide valuable information from the scene to the court for example, to determine issues regarding bond. You know, maybe this guy needs a GPS. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, if he's violating the restraining order, maybe we need to keep track of him. Maybe he needs pretrial services. May, you know, and so the judge can look at this lethality assessment and look at a preliminary report from law enforcement and make those important bonding decisions. Also, it's important as the case progresses, often there is repeated and frequent violation of these orders. I mean, I've had cases where they're putting like GPS bugs on their cars so they can track where they are. I mean, all kinds of crazy. Well, when that happens, Judge, who tracks who tracks the car? Who has time to do that? 
Well, the 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 uh, the the criminal does. The offender does. The offender will put a tracker on, you know, either in their phone or they'll put I've seen lots of them where they'll bug their phone. They'll put a little app in there and then they can monitor their phone, what they're doing on the phone, look at their text, look at their Facebook, all that. Uh, also, uh, oh, they can I put a, a GPS sender on their car and then their phone will be able to track the car, you know, like an AirTag. An Apple AirTag. You're saying the offenders do that because they want to keep track of their partners and what they're doing. Sure, they're suspicious it's all about of them. Control. Yeah. Okay. It's all about control. Yeah. Sure. Um, and these bills would what you're you're thinking would help deal with those kinds of situations as well. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Especially for repeated violations of PFAs. Usually, there's a pattern before the homicide. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I'm know. wondering, this has been a problem for a long time, not only in Kansas, but in many other Decades. states. And I'm wondering, Decades. why is it taken until 2023 for someone like you to propose these bills and hopefully uh, perhaps see some action going forward? Well, you know, these aren't this isn't the first year I've proposed this legislation. Some of these bills I've been running for five years. And and generally, that's the way the legislature works. You know, there's like a there's like a learning curve for them. The whole process is designed to keep legislation from going. Mm-hmm. And so to try to jump through all those hoops, you know, you usually have to take more than one run at it. Mm-hmm. And so there's a learning curve. And once people get comfortable with it and they understand the concepts of it, then you're more likely to get through the process. So, uh, you know, I, you know, it took me 14 years to get right to carry. So, <laughs> okay, <laughs> you know, this how, isn't unusual. <laughs> how confident are you that the, these bills will pass this year then? I, I think I think they have a good likelihood. Uh, I was fortunate that I had cooperation from Senator McGinn, and we got them filed through Ways and Means, so I'm not uh, bound by the calendar. So, you know, they will stay alive this year and next. Uh, you know, you have to get it through two committees, You have to, unless you go an alternate route. You have to get it through two floors, and you have to get it on the governor's desk. You know, and so uh, I expect that uh, I would not have an issue with this bill. I expect the governor would sign him. I haven't had that conversation with her yet. Mm-hmm. But they're good legislation. They're enacted by other states. They're working very well. And they're helping reduce the violent crime. You're proposing it's hard to prove in, a negative. You're proposing <laughs> in these bills, Judge, something called staggered sentencing. What is that yeah, and what are the benefits to it? Sure. Okay. That one's still in drafting because I'm trying to get a couple changes in it to make okay. it a little more palatable for the courts. But essentially, one problem that we have in both substance abuse cases, like DUIs or drug abuse, and and domestic violence, is getting them to go to treatment. If you have this big, long, mandatory sentence, and you know you don't have room at the end in the jail, you put them on house arrest. That costs them a ton of money. And you know, would we rather them spend the money on house arrest, or would we rather spend the money on have them spend the money on treatment? I think treatment's a better option. And so, while for example, on a third offense misdemeanor domestic violence and a third offense DUI. They are called felonies, but they're only punishable by 12 months. And uh, they have a mandatory minimum of 90 days. What staggered sentencing does is it gives the judge an option to change that sentence to make them just serve 30 days. And then if they're doing everything they're supposed to in the probation, halfway through, he can stay that second 30-day period. And if they do everything they're supposed to and get it all paid off and don't have any violations, the judge can stay that last 30-day sentence. And so we get that behavior modification not by a stick but by a carrot because huh. it make it in their interest to do these things that they're generally resistant to. 
because they go, oh, I don't have the money to go to treatment. I don't have the money for this or whatever, you know, and they're, they're struggling. They're, people are struggling. I see people struggling every day. And anything we can do to make it easier for them to get the help they need in the long run will save the state money and victims the tragedy that could occur. Judge, what does the treatment look like? What kind of, what kind of treatment are you talking about here? Okay, for uh, well, for DUI, it's obvious, but for uh, bat, for domestic violence cases, there's a process called a BIP, a batter's intervention, and so they do an assessment, and it's a long-term program. They generally last between four and eight months, hmm. depending on the offender's progress. The offender learns, for example, the consequences of their acts, because most of the time they have no idea what's going on. They're just worried about that moment. You know, where someone did something that upset them. And so they don't understand how it affects their children or how it affects their relationship or their spouse. And, you know, I got guys that have an incident and they come in and they don't understand why they can't go back and see their kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's just, they have no idea what's going on huh. and they need to have that understanding. And then they'll change their behavior, hopefully. Part of this package you've mentioned is uh, greater training for police officers. What would that entail, Phil? Uh, it really not a whole lot, and that's one of the objections to, for example, the lethality assessment is they say they're busy as they are, and, and you know they don't seem to make that balance between just a little more effort and maybe saving a life or maybe giving information to the court. Uh, and also, primary aggressor would require some training, too, but I would expect that between both bills, it would be less than uh, four hours. And law enforcement's required to get 40 hours of of uh, continuing education mm-hmm. every year. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, maybe half a day would be my guess. I'm sure I could put a nice PowerPoint together for him. <laughs> <laughs> Does this package come with a price tag, Judge? You know, most of this stuff, that's one of the things I'm always incredibly sensitive to when it comes to legislation and all of these things, except other than maybe the prison time for the guys, uh, it was going to be pretty cheap. So, mm-hmm. you know, uh, is it worth it to put a violent offender away and protect a victim? i I think we've made that decision in the past and said yes. So based on your conversation with lawmakers, I'm wondering what would it take for them to agree to this package? Have you spoken to them? Are you getting a general sense for their feeling towards these bills? I think I think that, uh, and, and particularly in my conversations with legislators, that they are on the whole supportive. Uh, they still have a level of skepticism that has to be addressed, but I'm sure once that's satisfied that the bills will go forward. They should. I mean, they're working in other states, large states, small states. You know, it's it's not, I'm not reinventing the wheel. Somebody else already has a round one. Right. Well, that's Judge Phil Journey of Sedgwick County, a former state senator, talking about his package of bills aimed at uh, reducing domestic violence across the state. Judge, appreciate your time as always, and it's good to visit with you again. It's good to talk to you again, Steve. And, you know, I really appreciate the opportunity. It's something that I think we need to go forward with. Thank you again. Thanks, Judge. You bet. Up to Date is produced by Zach Wilson, Reginald David, Elizabeth Ruiz, Zach Perez, and Hannah Cole. Our intern is Claudia Brancart. Our announcer and engineer is Paul Nakatura. Our theme music is composed and performed by the great Bobby Watson. I'm Steve Kraske. Thanks for listening.